It's unnecessary roughness. Hands off to Jacob. Stutters to the right. Burst through the hole. 20, 25, 30. He's off to the races. Here in Seattle, nobody's going to catch him. 25, 20, 10. Ball game. Bye-bye, Josh. 86 yards in overtime to walk it off for a second straight week. Touchdown, Raiders. Victory, Las Vegas. I have nothing to say. Oh, my goodness. Let's go home. (laughs) This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Very appropriate right there intro. Josh Jacobs walking it off against the Seattle Seahawks as we are currently on Josh Jacobs' watch. Contract situation 12 days out from today. Looking for him to either get that long-term deal done or agree to the fact that he'll have to play on a one-year deal, which is worth $10 million as he has the franchise tag. So right now, again, not that it's going to affect me, not that it's going to affect Ari, who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio right now, not that it's going to affect you, just want to see what's going to happen with one Josh Jacobs. We know what he did in 2022, leading not only the team in rushing, but leading the league in rushing uh, after having his fifth-year option decline. So now the co- the conversation is, does he get a long-term deal done or does he play on the franchise tag? And only time will tell, but again, only 12 days away from that deadline, July 17th. So we're on Josh Jacobs' watch. If you're just an NFL fan, you're on Saquon Barkley watch as well. But, of course, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, we care about Number, well, used to be 28, now number eight, Josh Jacobs. Welcome in, welcome back. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Hopefully everyone had a really good and fun, healthy and safe 4th of July holiday. It was kind of weird having the 4th of July on a Tuesday and knowing that you had to go to back to work on Wednesday, but that's what the case was, and that was fine. Here in Las Vegas, the firework festivities was awesome. I know some people were annoyed by it, by some of the fireworks that were going on in their neighborhoods. But for the most part, I thought all the firework action was great. And hopefully everyone stayed safe out there. I always am a big fan of fireworks, even though it seems like for the first few years that I've been here in Vegas, I haven't really been able to see and observe too many fireworks. Now, myself and Vegas Jess and a bunch of us, we, uh, we actually set a bunch of fireworks off last year. This year we did not. We went to my guy Mickey's house, and a lot of Raider Nation knows my guy Mickey, along with his wife Mary, really good friends of ours. We went over there, had a little bit of a barbecue, but then I also had radio to do last night, so I kind of had to cut that short and get back to the house to do a little bit of ESPN National Radio, which is, if anyone knows me, right up my alley. So, uh, again, hopefully everyone had a really safe and fun 4th of July and ready to, you know, get back into the swing of things and finish this week off strong and head into the weekend. And, of course, stay hydrated out there as it's very, very hot right now in Las Vegas. Again, as mentioned, Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio holding it down, and I'm in the home studio and got a lot to get to coming up on today's show. Coming up at 2.30, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He'll join us, and, man, I saw an article that he put out, a little premium content on Pro Football Focus, NFL salary cap, three-year analysis for all 32 NFL teams. And so I thought, you know what, I'll give it a little look-see and see what he's talking about and kind of go over it. And I like to do that. I like to read a lot of articles. I like to, you know, especially people that I really respect, I like to follow their work and just check out what they have going on. And when I looked at the Raiders and where they were ranked on this list and where they're slotted in on this list, I thought, whoa, that can't be too good. They come in at number 30. Remember, there's only 32 teams in the NFL. So when I looked at that, I thought, whoa, man, that's pretty eye-opening. And really, to say it off top, check this out. Just the first sentence of what he has to say. The Raiders are pulling in two different directions 
from a roster construction standpoint, recouping a grand total of a compensatory third-round pick after moving on from quarterback Derek Carr and tight end Darren Waller in the same offseason. So there you go, pulling in two different directions. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't really seem like that's too productive, <laughs> right? There, there could be an issue if you're trying to pull in two different directions. If Ari has the one end of the rope and he's running one way and I got the other end of the rope and I'm running the other way, that's not going to get us too far. Now, I'm going to win that because, well, Ari's Ari, and I'm going to hold it down, so he's going to end up going my way. But you get it. It's going to be a little bit of a resistance. And, Ari, I know I sent a cheap shot at you. but You're the boss. Uh, You're uh, the no, boss. no, up until this day, <laughs> you have not proven to do too much very well when it comes to athletics. You're right. I have my one example when I threw the ball right into the ground. That was terrible. I mean, but that's all you need is I, one example. No. You get more than one chance to, to prove yourself, so I, I will. For now, I'm going to shut up because that was really bad. <laughs> You're only as good as your, your first impression, right? <laughs> so your first impression ah. told me all I needed to know. When Sylvia, who was in the parking lot, saw you throw that ball and throw it immediately in the ground, and she looked at me and said, ooh, that didn't look too good. That's all I needed to know, Ari. I don't remember her being there, but that's probably because I put this all out of my mind. That's, <laughs> that's how bad it was. He is not lying. <laughs> it was. And I'm not a great athlete. I will take that, but I'm saying that was like my worst. I couldn't even that was believe it bad. myself. Yeah, that was so. a terrible time to make a first impression. Yep. So, <laughs> so Brad Spielberger for Pro Football Focus. He'll join us at 2.30 to talk about his article. And really, I kind of want to get his thoughts on how the Raiders could turn things around and not – go in two different directions, but really go in the same direction as far as salary cap goes, as far as age of the roster goes, as far as opportunity to win right away goes. I thought this was, like I said, a very interesting article on Pro Football Focus, and so I had to hit him up immediately when I saw it this morning. He probably thought, like, why in the world is Q hitting me up at 7-something in the morning the day after the 4th of July? And I'm sure Ari probably says that as well. Like, man, this dude, does he ever stop? It's, it's, it's the 4th of July, it's a holiday weekend, and this dude's just hitting me up, hitting me up, hitting me up, but that's that's just how I operate. I don't have any. I don't have any clock. I just kind of go. So no, off switch. Uh, no, there is no off switch. As many have tried to encourage me to have off switches, I just I don't see that, and I don't see red lights and stop signs in my life. Everything is green. Everything is go. So that's just what I do. So Brad Spielberger will join us at two thirty. At three o'clock, have a conversation that I had last night on ESPN National. It has to do with the hot dog eating competition. I'm not going to deep dive into it right now. I'm just, well, I'll say this. I'm happy that the hot dog eating competition happened on the 4th of July because at one point it looked like it was not going to happen. I had people like my man Vegas Jess texting me saying it's done deal. They canceled it. And I was like, yeah, I know. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do because I've been saying, and I said in a major way on Monday, that the 4th of July does not start until the hot dog eating competition happens. And then all of a sudden I thought it wasn't going to happen. So I was like, wait a minute. Fourth of July can't officially happen, and so uh, luckily at some point they, uh, they, you know, they rescheduled it. It happened at two o'clock Eastern, which was uh, eleven o'clock uh, Pacific time, and it went off without a hitch. And Joey Chestnut, as always, won again, sixty-two hot dogs, which was down from what he did a year before, which was sixty-three, and of course much under the un over under total that we had on the show on Monday where it was 73 and a half and we took the under myself and Lee Sterling uh, from ParamountSports.com was a regular guest on this show he said take the under he gave every reason why and he was spot on as Joey Chestnut hit 62 but I'll say this Ari I got a little nervous when he got to 50 when he got to 50 there was still five minutes left and I remember telling the wife like oh my goodness he's gonna blow this out of the water he's at 50 dogs through five minutes. That means he's got five minutes to get 24. And it's so I kept thinking, oh, there's no way. Then all of a sudden he started to slow down a little, 
Slow down a little. Slow down. It's like he had ate like five hot dogs in three minutes. I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good now. But it, he, he all of a sudden, I think he looked around and realized the competition really wasn't as, as stiff as it, as it appeared to be at one point, and he kind of slowed down or whatever the case may be. But once I saw him slow down to almost a snail's pace for him, not me, for him, it would have taken me all 10 minutes to eat like two hot dogs, let alone eat 62 hot dogs. But – with all that being said, I got to get into this conversation that myself and Evan Mack had on ESPN last night as I was holding it down for Freddie and Fitzsimmons. And we really got into this heated conversation, and it was all respectful. It wasn't, you know, a disrespectful conversation. But, Ari, we had 17 or 18 phone calls throughout the course of the night from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific time on this specific topic that we're going to talk about at 3 o'clock when it has to do with the hot dog eating contest. There was never a time in my life that I thought I could mention anything about the hot dog eating contest and get 17 or 18 calls. Like, there's not that much hot dog conversation to have to get that kind of feedback, but it happened last night. So we're going to talk about that coming up at 3 o'clock. <laughs> so there's that. Have you ever talked about hot dogs that much? Well, yeah. Do you remember what show I come from? So on Cofield & Company, that is a, that's a big week for us. So. But how much feedback do you get from it? I mean, we don't do callers as much, but we, I mean, we do a lot. We have the, the eaters on, and it's, it is a big deal. And I get it, it's kind of niche, and it's very much in this, you know, this time yeah. frame. But, man, yeah, I saw. And, in fact, this year I would say maybe it's because it was delayed and ultimately happened, but it was like I've never seen so much engagement on Twitter about it. Maybe it's just because I'm more dialed into it yeah. this year. But, yeah, it seems okay. to be. Well, we'll talk about it coming up at 3 o'clock. You'll hear the sound bite from myself and Evan Mack from Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night on ESPN Radio, and we'll react to it coming up at 3. At 3.30, our good friend Nick Shook, NFL.com, he put out a list of the top 25 – or the top players. Uh, it's basically his uh, top – Top team under 25 years old. Let's put it like that. He put out a team uh, on NFL.com. He puts out really good work, and he advertised it last time he was on the show with us. Uh, but they, all the players had to be under 25. So Max Crosby did not appear on the list. Josh Jacobs did not appear on the list because both of those guys are 25 years old. So they're not on the list, but there's some really talented players that are on the list. And, of course, we'll do deep dive into all things NFL. We'll use that at 3.30. We'll do cover three. NFL News and Notes of the Day, but we'll have Nick on to do cover three. So that's kind of how we'll we'll roll with that coming up at 3.30 with our good friend Nick Shook from NFL.com. We'll talk all things NFL, plus go over his his team that he has under 25 as far as the NFL players go. 4 o'clock, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll join us and talk all things Aces as they're 15-1 and one on the season so far. They've got a game this evening against the Dallas Wings. She'll actually be there in attendance, but – before that game, she'll join us. Uh, Becky Hammond is Coach of the Month. No shock as the team, again, as I mentioned, is 15-1. and one. But what, one thing I'm really interested to talk to Paloma about, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, Ari, but there was a, a prank done by the Aces. Kelsey Plum led the charge, and the whole team, coach was on it, general manager was on it, Nikki Fargus, everybody was in on this prank except for Sydney Colson. Sydney Colson was where the prank was against her. And it's so funny because she's the jokester. She's the exactly. one that's really the, you know, the one with all the energy on the team. She, she's the one that you would think would be doing the pranks. But this prank happened to her. And, man, I watched the whole video that they put out on the YouTube. It's about, like, almost 10 minutes long. I watched the whole thing, and I was rolling the whole time because you can see how serious she thought it was. That's how you know it's a really good one. She thought it was a, uh, really serious, and she thought she could have possibly been in some trouble only to find out that it was, a, it was a prank. So this team is not only really good, but they're really close, in, and they're really good at pulling off pranks as well. I will have to check. I missed that, but I'll definitely be checking out because they are hilarious. The, the team entertains me yeah. all the time. The interviews, Asia is just 
Yep. Pretty much everything Asia says is hilarious. And you yeah. know a lot about the Aces because you're, you know, usually uh, behind the scenes when it's an Aces broadcast on Tonight. our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. So, like, what, nine out of ten times, if not more, you're behind the scenes with that? Yeah, something like that. Tonight I'm on, actually. I'll be running the game. So There you go. So you know you all go. about that. So Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, she'll join us at 4 o'clock. We'll talk all things Las Vegas Aces. Then at 4.30, Ryan Hollins, former NBA player, currently part of the Rockets TV analyst, excuse me, part of the broadcast. He'll join the show at 4.30 just to talk about NBA free agency, talk about what the Rockets have been able to do, but just talk about the NBA in general. And, of course, the Rockets, one of their big moves was signing Fred Van Vliet to a big-time contract extension, three years, 100 30 million dollars he goes over from the Toronto Raptors I thought that that's where James Harden was going to end up back in Houston clearly after they signed Van Vliet they didn't have any room for him uh, Dylan Brooks also goes from Memphis he goes to the Houston Rockets so they've been very busy but we'll talk all things NBA with Ryan Hollins former NBA player at 430 so that's the guest lineup that we have as you see uh, we're very busy on today's show very excited about it want to shout out to my man uh, Doug Douglas shout out to Greg Salerno for holding it down for JT the Brick earlier uh, before this show came on they were on and then, of course, you heard from Eddie Pascal as well for a for the review from Raiders.com. But Brad Spielberger at 2.30, Nick Shook, NFL.com at 3.30, Paloma Villacana at 4, Ryan Hollins at 4.30. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So Raider Nation, I think we feel pretty comfortable that the Raiders offense is going to be really good if everything goes the way that it's on paper supposed to go. That's with the healthy Jimmy G, that's with Josh Jacobs returning with the contract extension, uh, whether it's a multi-year deal or just the franchise tag. As long as he's in the backfield, you feel pretty comfortable. You know about Devontae Adams, you know about Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. I mean, there's a lot to like about this Raiders offense. Of course, the new addition to tight end Michael Mayer, I think that's going to help out as well. I feel comfortable that they're going to be a really good offense. Like, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say exactly how many points they're going to score a game, but I do feel like that everything goes right on offense, things will be good. The big question mark, of course, is going to be the defense and how quickly they could gel. We talked about that on Monday's show about having more confidence in Jimmy G being available for uh, 17 games or the defense, the young defense, coming together and, and being you know, being a, a, a part of the team that can complement the rest of the team. So when I look at the defense in general, I'm looking for three guys on defense that you're looking at to have a bigger season and help the defense improve the most in 2023 and when I say three guys that I'm looking at to have a bigger season I'm not looking at a guy like Max Crosby and saying hey Max you need to give the team more because he already gives the team everything right there is there things he could do a little bit better like could he get maybe a couple strip sacks or so yeah sure but you know what you're going to get from Max Crosby right so that's not a guy that I'm looking at I'm looking at some guys that really need to be big time additions or, or not even additions just much better players in 2023 than they have been or even build on something that you've seen from them to help this defense take that next step. Again, I really feel like the offense is going to be fine. The defense will complement them if things come together, if the young nucleus of guys that they drafted and the guys they brought in as free agents and, of course, some of the players that are already currently on the team, the veterans of the team, if those guys can come together. So for me, and I did this on my podcast a couple days ago, as a matter of fact, for me, I'm looking at three three-year guys and I, I feel like that that's fair right because they, they've been in the, the with the in the league for a few years now I know that it's been multiple lo- different looks on the defensive side of things with different defensive coordinators but whatever the case may be there's no more excuses because they're veterans now 
three-year guys. So I have three guys that I'm looking at in particular that I feel like if they play well in 2023, they really give this Raiders defense a chance to, again, complement the rest of the team, which I do believe is going to be really good offensively. And we know the special teams unit is really good for the silver and black as well. So 702-365-9200. Give me three guys on defense that you're looking to have a bigger season and help this defense improve in 2023. And I'll give you my three guys off top. And as I mentioned, three guys, all three-year guys. Divine Diablo is the first one. I'm looking at him. He was playing really well last season. Then he hurt himself and he never returned. But he's a guy, and I think, in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that the linebacking position, that room, still has a lot of questions to answer. Right? I feel like that they may not be as solid as a unit as they need to be. But if you get a healthy Divine Diablo in the mix – and he's playing like he played basically early in the season last year and maybe even a little bit better because I do think there's things he could do better. I like the fact that he, you know, he, he hit the weight room and swole up a little bit, right, and is ready for training camp and ready to be available throughout the course of this upcoming year. But I think that he has an opportunity to show who he really is and that he can be that homegrown linebacker for the Raiders because I do feel like for the longest time the linebacking position has been ignored as far as making it a priority. I mean, every time you see the Raiders go get a linebacker, it's either an undrafted free agent or a late-round guy, right? I mean, it's just it's never somebody that is early on. Like, I, I thought years ago when they drafted Cleve Farrell that, you know, Devin White would have made them more sense, right? That was the guy. If they weren't going to get Quentin Williams, I was saying Devin White because I feel like, again, that linebacking position has been ignored for so long. And, look, Denzel Perryman has been the best linebacker, in my opinion, that they've had in a while, and that wasn't a guy that they drafted. That was a guy that they traded for only after they had so many injuries, they got hit with so many injuries, and they're like, man, damn it, we got to do something at the linebacking room. And they called Carolina and made a trade and got Denzel Perryman to, to Vegas, and I thought that that was a really good move. Now he's gone. He's in H-Town. So I'm looking at Divine Diablo, and if he could go and be that dude and really kind of step his game up and take it to a whole nother level, then that makes guys like Luke Masterson that much better. It makes guys like Darian Butler that much better. It gives them direction. It gives them leadership. You know, Robert Spillane, again, a guy that uh, Dave Ziegler has, has mentioned to me in, in particular, right, when he was on the Raider Roundtable. He talked to me and JT and Eric Allen and said they're excited about Spillane because what he brings to the table, and, you know, he's more athletic than they even believe, but he comes over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. They feel pretty good about him. So Divine Diablo is my first guy that I'm looking at on these uh, three-pack of players on defense that I'm looking to have a bigger season in 2023. The next one, and I know my guy Raider Mac, he'll probably call in and chime in on this one, Trayvon Merrick. And Trayvon Merrick, I look at him to step up because I think he has to step up. I think this is a big-time year. I think it's a big-time training camp for Trayvon Merrick, right? I mean, his rookie year, I liked what he brought to the table. I thought he showed some really good promises rookie year, but there's no doubt about it, he took a step back in year two. And now they went and drafted Chris Smith, right? They, they have guys that are already in the mix as well. You know, I think Trayvon Merrick has got a lot of work cut out for him in training camp, in preseason, to show that he could be that guy. He ultimately, I mean, it's no other way to put it, he's got to have better production, straight up. He's got to make more plays. He's got to be able to be that eraser. When there was a time when the Seattle Seahawks, when they had the Legion of Boom and they had Earl Thomas back in, in, in center field, and they always said, why is the Legion of Boom so good in the secondary? Why are the corners and the safety so good? And they said, because that dude back there, Earl Thomas, he's an eraser. He erases guys' mistakes. He makes up for when a guy makes a mistake, he's able to step up and erase that. Well, I'm not saying that Trayvon Merrick's got to be Earl Thomas because Earl Thomas was a hell of a player. But he's got he's to find a way to be the Raiders' uh, eraser. He's got to be able to see things develop and make the play. And, and, and when the ball hits his hands, he's got to make that play. You know, he has one career interception. He probably could have four or five, and he doesn't. 
So he's really got to step up and make the play. He's got to be able to take better angles, and he's got to be able to make sure he's a short tackler all the time. Again, coming out TCU, I was a big fan of Trayvon Merrick. I was excited when the Raiders got him in the second round. And Raider Mack has called us a, a few times. He's like, Q, I don't know about your boy. And I laugh because he's not wrong. Right? He's not wrong. He's got to step up in a major way. If he can show that he belongs on this roster and he can step up, then, then all of a sudden the Raiders have a nice little safety uh, room that's young and talented. But he's got to make some big plays. And I do think he's got a lot of work cut out for himself this upcoming training camp. So Trayvon Merrick is number two. And the final guy, he's also in the secondary, but he's at the corner position. And I don't know what corner position he's going to play. Is he going to play on the outside or is he going to play in the slot? And that's Nate Hobbs. A healthy Nate Hobbs. I brought up Nate Hobbs before on this show. I like what he did his rookie year from the slot. He, he showed a lot of uh, promise and a lot of potential. And then because of injury in year two last year, he took a step back. I thought he was playing some good ball up until that week five game against Kansas City when he hurt his hand and broke his hand and came back out with a club and he did everything he could. But then he missed a big chunk of, t- of time and didn't return until that second Chargers game when, again, he showed the physicality, showed what Patrick Graham wants, to have a guy out there on the outside that can, you know, muck it up and, and be physical with the wide receiver, make life difficult. He's really good at that. I'd like to see Nate expand his game as well and, and come up with a couple more balls, right? I mean, I'd like to see some ball production from him. We saw some ball production from him before. We've seen minimal ball production, but I'd like to see him come up with a, a few more balls, whether that's cause a fumble because he's a physical uh, tackler. He's not afraid to tackle. He likes to stick his nose in there. I love that about him. But I'd like to see him find a way to get the ball back to the offense, whether it's come up with an interception or, like I said, cause a fumble, recover a fumble, pick it up. Uh, when he's in the open field, he can make plays happen. He can get to the house. He can score on his own if he, if he you know, has a chance. But he's got to go and make that happen. So, really, when I'm looking at the defense, I'm looking at three guys, and they're all third-year dudes. And I think it's fair to, to, to ask a third-year dude to step up because they're just that. They're third-year guys. They're not rookies. It's not like I'm saying, Tyree Wilson, I need 10-and-a-half sacks from you this year. Like, I don't think that that would be reasonable. So I don't put any rookie on this list. And if you want to put a rookie on the list, that's fine. I don't put a rookie on this list because I know that transitioning to the NFL is difficult. I know it's not the easiest thing. So that's why I look at guys that have been there, done that, veterans. They know what the NFL game is like. They know what the grind of the season is like. They know what training camp is like. You know, now they're dudes that other guys, the youngsters. You know, Trayvon Merrick, think about this. Chris Smith is looking up to him in the locker room. He's no longer looking up at, you know, Jerron Harmon or someone else is saying, all right, how do I do this? How do I be a pro? Now a guy like Chris Smith is going to go to Trayvon Merrick and say, hey, how do I be a pro? Right? I mean, that's, that's the thing. They, they have now a new role. A new, you know, uh, they, they, they define themselves differently now when they're in year three. And the good thing, I guess, for the linebacking room is that Robert Spillane is there, and he's a veteran as well. And so, you know, Divine Diablo, I think he's going to have to show that leadership. But him as a homegrown guy, that's why I kind of lean on him more. He's a homegrown dude. Uh, you know, the Raiders uh, converted him from a safety to a linebacker. He was all for it, and, and he's shown signs of being a really good player. He's just got to continue to evolve in that position. And then Nate Hobbs. I mean, he, he's, he's, he always tells me in the locker room following games, following practice, whatever the case may be, Q, I'm a football player. You can line me up anywhere you want to. I'm a football player. I'm going to go get it done. He never cares. And that's what I love about Nate. He's not defined by a certain position. He just wants to go out there and ball. I'd like to see him take that next step. But I do want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. And, of course, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Three guys on defense you are looking to have a bigger season and help this defense improve 
in 2023. You can also hit us up on Twitter at your boy Q254 and at Ari Produces. Uh, Bill hit us up talking about the hot dog eating contest. I think it's gross, all those hot dogs and no beans. That's funny. I think hot dogs are gross, period. I don't like hot dogs at all, but I do like watching the hot dog eating contest. I'll always watch that every 4th of July, and we'll talk about it for like a day before and a day after, and then I won't say anything about it again for a whole year. It's just one of those things that it just it, it goes away, and I don't even it's not even cross my mind until around the Fourth of July this upcoming year. Uh, also, got to hit up on the WBroke.com text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R by our guy Sir Whiskey Ray Ari. We know exactly how you feel. We aren't too athletic ourselves. In fact, we are athletic, but we just suck when it comes to sports. Sincerely, Demon Joey Chestnut and softball guy who keeps his own stats during rec league. Sir Sir Whiskey Ray, right there. Thank wow. you. <laughs> Damon catching strays. <laughs> That's cold game. He's catching strays. He ain't even on the show today, and he's catching strays. It, wow. It, yeah, and I don't think that's right. No, I, I do. I think it's funny. I, <laughs> I think, think it's, it's funny. hilarious. I'm just saying if we're being truthful, I, I imagine that he is a much better athlete than I. I'm well, actually, the, you know the, what? There's, there's actually a big debate about that because he has tried to sell us on this idea that he was a captain in basketball in high school. First of all, we know his height, and I'm not saying just because you're short. Just because you're short doesn't mean you can't play basketball. I'm not saying that. But there is no record from anyone that he's ever even picked up a basketball. We had his best friend, and I put that in air quotes, his best friend Kayla on the show as a guest. And I said, Kayla, you are best friends with DeMond. You've known him for, like, what, you guys say 12, 13 years. He says he was a captain on the basketball team in Pahrump. And could you tell us about his basketball career? And she said, I don't even remember him on the court. Oof. That's his best friend, Ari. Not memorable is what that means. Well, I know, but that's his best friend? Yikes. I can tell you right now, if I called my best friend and was like, hey, remember me playing basketball? They'd be like, yep. And, and they'd be able to rattle off everything I did in basketball. It's that simple. So are you questioning the friendship or is, is that No, I'm questioning ability? if it ever yeah, happened yeah, exactly. that he ever played ball. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I don't buy that he ever played ball. We're going to have to do something. I've been trying to get – I mean, everybody in the sports department seems to want to do some kind of a, like a competition here in Lotus, whether it's basketball, we've had softball. So, man, we might have to really make this happen just so we can – I'm down for this, whatever, man. I'm, this, hey, look, uh, man, if, if you're feeling froggy, let's leap, man. I, I'm down for whatever. Get my training going we could here. do We <laughs> could do like a triathlon. We could play basketball. Oh. We could play baseball. We can do whatever you want to do. The only thing we can't do is swim because I'm losing that competition. Yeah, same, same. I'll tell you that right now. So I think DeMond might win that one because he does, like, odd stuff, right? But then again, <laughs> he's, like, oddly shaped, so he'll probably swim badly. He'll probably have bad form. So I don't know. But I, would, I wouldn't do well swimming either. Look, give me a pool noodle and I'm good, right? <laughs> not I, I'm, me. I'm not going to lie. Let's give me a pool noodle. You can't drown as long as you have a pool noodle. Mm. <laughs> No, you can't. I know. I that know. thing helps you float. How deep are we going, though? Because I can't swim I mean, either. I'm not saying go jump into the ocean, <laughs> you big dummy. I'm talking about just getting in the water. All right. I can live with that. Yeah, no, I would hope so. Unbel I got into the ocean with a pool noodle knowing I have no business swimming. Are I did crazy? that when I was in Hawaii. I went snorkeling. It was fantastic. And you know what the thing about it is? You hold the pool noodle up, you put your face in the water, and guess what? You can see everything, and you're not, you're not drowning. You're good. It's all good. See, that's the problem for me. My eyes, yeah, I'm bad. I'm a horrible swimmer. Like the, the eyes stuff. But you have a ears. mask on. 
If you have, oh, because you're talking about snorkeling. Because I'm snorkeling. All right, well, I'm just saying, like, normal people swimming. Yeah. <laughs> which they do dunk their head in. I can't, I never could do it. As a kid, they tried, like, I tried the lessons and stuff, and I could not. Man, there it's was a bad. cat, and I know that we got to take a break. There was a cat that was in the ocean there in Hawaii, and he was just swimming, and he was way out there, and he was just swimming. He was doing the Michael Phelps and everything. And I remember asking my son, I was like, man, where did that, do, where did he get in at? And he's like, I think he got in at that rock. And that rock was way the hell over here, right? And so then I said, well, where is he going? He goes, I think he's going to that rock. And that rock was way the hell the other way. And I was like, there's no way. That's way too far. There's no way he could swim that. And, man, sure enough, we kept checking in on this dude. He kept going and going and going. Not only did he swim all the way to this other rock, it's like he did, the, it's like he did what you do in, in Olympic swimming and everything. He just kind of kicked his feet over and pushed off on the rocks and came back the other way. I got tired. I was like, I need to get back to the condo and, and take a nap just because I'm tired of watching him. Man, that was wild. I'd have a rescue team Oh yeah, a no. quarter of the way out. No, <laughs> just thinking about swimming that far made me want to drown, right? I was like, there's no way that that could be so, me. So we're but... equals on the athletic tip, obviously. You know, no, we're no, just no, the we're same not... person right no, here. No, no, we're not, we're not equals <laughs> when it comes to athleticism at all. You, uh, are we shall in, see. you are in maybe DeMond's category. You are not in nowhere in near my category. At all. Even at 46 years old, even with a couple torn ACLs and a little bit knee surgery, I'm still more athletic than you. I'm very comfortable in saying that. 228 is the time. When we come back, Pro Football Focus's Brad Spielberger will join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Something I've been doing recently is like in home games, we'll come to the facility and check in and then I'll go home and my wife will make me a bagel with cream cheese and an orange. Went there one day, I was in the move for it and craved it and so she made it and I guess I had a good game and so I just kept doing it. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Little game day tradition right there for one Hunter Renfro, slot receiver for the Silver and Black. That was something that you can see on uh, Raiders.com, their YouTube page. And uh, there you go, Hunter Renfro talking about bagels and oranges. All right, it is what it is. Whatever we heard, spaghetti from Chandler Jones, and now we're hearing about bagels and oranges from one Hunter Renfro. The question that I threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Who are three guys on defense you're looking at to have a bigger season and help this defense improve? In 2023, again, 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone lines for Pro Football Focus is our good friend Brad Spielberger. And, Brad, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you. And, man, your piece that you put out on Pro Football Focus really caught my attention. NFL salary cap, three-year analysis for all 32 NFL teams. So, of course, Brad, I looked down at the Raiders, and they were sitting there at number 30. So before we get into the ranking for the Raiders, how did this whole piece come together? Like, what's the math of the science project that it takes to put this piece together? Yeah, so first, thanks for having me on. And I think the the main reason why I wanted to do a full-scale analysis of something like this is that we've probably talked about on this show. You can't just look at a salary cap space number, and immediately know where a team stands. There's so many other things that go into that. How do they structure their deals? How much talent do they actually have on the roster itself? Um, so I wanted to come up with kind of a five-pronged approach uh, that includes, you know, non-salary cap-specific categories, but still capture, you know, if you have a good roster, maybe it doesn't matter how much cap you have. If you don't have a good roster and you don't have cap space, uh, it's obviously a, a very bad situation. So that was kind of the, uh, you know, the idea there. 
So I said that the Raiders came in at 30. They actually came in at 31st out of 32, which, again, is not very good. So, and the first line is basically that the Raiders are, are pulling in two different directions. Does that mean that they have to be in win-now mode, or, or what does that exactly mean? I mean, to a degree, I suppose so, right, which is a tough scenario in that division, in that conference. But you're spending, obviously not a ton, but you are spending still on a veteran contract, a quarterback. You need to have a bunch of big rosters across the roster. You know, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, guys that obviously you should be paying. I'm not saying those deals are poor deals, but the issue really all stems back to just kind of wasting the draft picks you got for Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Because you look at that and you say, okay, look, there's a lot of older players. There is some high-end talent here. The issue is near the bottom of the league in just active draft capital, which is just players that are still playing on those rookie contracts over the last three years. Uh, and the Raiders have one of the five oldest rosters in the NFL, um, which, which is, isn't what you'd expect considering how many picks they made over those years. Right. No, there's no doubt about that. And, of course, uh, as we know, you know, Jimmy G is now at the, at the quarterback position and not Derek Carr. And a lot of people, including myself, believe that, you know, there's going to be a young quarterback to come take that spot sooner rather than later. But, Brad, and we talked about this kind of last week on the show, it seems like that they're in almost no man's land where they're not bad enough to get a high pick to get that top quarterback that they can have on that rookie deal for a long time, and they're not good enough to take that veteran quarterback, get it to the playoffs, and make a deep run. How do they kind of get themselves out of that out of that no man's land? I think that's exactly right. And actually, it's funny. I think that's almost what I'm trying to capture, right, is that, yeah, look, if you're very, very bad, but okay, but you can, you know, you don't have a lot of talent. You don't have a lot of pending free agents that are due for big deals which is something working in Las Vegas' favor right now. Pretty much all their guys are locked up for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, but can you then get back, draft a quarterback early, all those things? And I don't think they're so bad they're going to you know, win five or fewer games. So, you know, I think it is, honestly, is just continue to establish this culture, continue to let some young guys come in, like Tyree Wilson, like some of the picks in this draft, do what have in this class with Michael Meyer as well, see if you have a foundation to build around. Um, and then, you know, maybe you're, you are one of those teams that trades up from the teams to the, the late single digits to take, you know, a, a quarterback prospect more in that area. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How much do you think the familiarity of, well, now Josh McDaniels in year two with the silver and black, and of course Jimmy G is very familiar with Josh, Jacoby Myers is very familiar, guys like Devontae Adams have already been in the system for a year. How much do you think that that familiarity might be able to help this team just gel a little bit quicker than even they did a season ago? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think particularly in this offense, it's known to be more complicated, a lot of terminology, a lot of checks, all those things. And obviously he has a faith in Jimmy Garoppolo at the line of scrimmage calling things out that maybe there was some turmoil there with a Derek Carr. And so it wasn't just a pure talent conversation, but also, you know, can I trust this guy to run the offense? He knows what he's looking for. He knows what I'm looking for. And I do think it does go a long way. Uh, it's, it's not a magic cure-all, but, but I do. I think you see a lot of coaches, they kind of settle down in that second year they get some maybe guys that they, they have more faith in. You bring Jacoby Myers, a couple other former Patriots aboard, um, and, and maybe you just feel more com comfortable calling certain plays or, or trotting out certain personnel packages, and it just it expands your playbook a little bit, which probably can always be a good thing. Again, we're talking with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. And, you know, the Bengals, it shouldn't be a surprise, but they're up there at the very top, right, as far as this uh, salary cap and this three-year analysis. How difficult is it for teams in general to be able to kind of hit that sweet spot where they have the talent that can go and get it done, but also they have the financials and they're using their draft capital in the right way? 
it can be tough, but I think you can kind of skirt the line. It's make a lot of tough decisions, and that's I think the biggest thing holding a lot of teams back is you land a good player, maybe not a great player though, and you feel obligated to extend maybe all your good in-house guys, or you feel like you're close, and so you want to make a trade or, or make a big you know splash move when maybe you were still a couple more pieces away. So I think the big thing you look at teams like the Chiefs and the Eagles. I mean, they're both in the top half of the metric. And it's, look, I mean, you made a, a couple tough decisions. You trade away Tyree Kill. You let Javon Hargrave go in free agency to Philadelphia. And, yeah, you still can keep a lot of important veteran pieces around. But you are willing to here and there say, you know what? If we want to sustain a winner for a long period of time, we got to let some of those guys walk. How much of a, a, a tough decision is it going to be for the Raiders and their situation that they're dealing with right now with Josh Jacobs as he's got the franchise tag, but he's a running back? And we know the value of the running back in the NFL is not where it should be. Yeah, no, it's – look, I think you can balance it. I mean, at this point, the market for running back is just so, so small that I – mean, I'm not going to say it, it. There's always an opportunity cost in every investment you make and every decision you make, but – I mean, we're talking about money now that even if he gets, let's say, $14 million a year, which I'm not even sure he hits that number, mm-hmm. that's a second-rate guard at the starting center. Like, it's, you know, I'm not saying those positions are bad, but I'm just saying, you know, a couple of years ago you look back and you'd say, you know, Adrian Peterson's getting wide receiver one money. Now Josh Jacobs is hoping to get wide receiver three money at this point. Is it more likely that he just ends up having to play on that one-year $10 million franchise tag deal as the deadline comes up on the 17th? You know, I think there will be a boiling point, an inflection point to where he maybe realizes, all right, I'll push for, let's say, a three-year deal, um, you know, so short-term, get as much cash as I can, basically have two years guaranteed, which effectively is two franchise tags, maybe get a little bit more cash than those two deals combined, um, and, and just take that. I don't think it's going to be a whole lot more than that, but I think you see that with Nick Chubb and with other players recently who basically just says, all right, what are the two tags? I don't know, add $3 million on top of that, and I'll take it, even though I probably should arguably hold out for more. It's just not there. Do you think that that's the kind of same scenario that's going to happen in, in New York with Saquon Barkley? Yeah, so his is fascinating, right? I mean, I think for him, part of the equation there, and it applies to Jacobs as well, but I, you know, I think it's fair to say Barkley is kind of in his own category to where I don't think you can maybe bring it up in conversations between the team and the agent saying, look, this is the face of the franchise. I mean, look, I live in New York. You drive around, mm-hmm. you, you don't see Daniel Jones billboards. You see Saquon <laughs> Barkley, um, um, you know, with all due respect. Like, and, and I think you try to say, look, he's putting, you know, butts in the seats on Sundays and, and, and driving revenue in other uncaptured areas. C- can you respect that and try to cook that into this at least a little bit? Um, I'm sure it's an argument they've tried to make. Again, good luck to them. But, you know, I think that's where this one comes down. It's just like he, he's a foundational piece from an optics standpoint. What about the fact that his injury history has been pretty large and documented? Yeah, that's the tough part. And I think that is kind of where New York is sticking and saying, yeah, look, he's explosive, he's a good player, the prior regime brought him in, and he was great out of the gate. His first two seasons were awesome. Um, But, you know, it tears the ACL, and it's been a little bit up and down. He was top five in touches last year. I think maybe if I'm his agent, I'd say, well, if you had injury concerns, I wouldn't give him the ball 30 times a game, you know, <laughs> like you did last year. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, that's the issue, too, is that that factors in every single time as well. It takes one bad play, um, and maybe the entire utility of that contract could be wiped away. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And Rough Roughness, want to get back to your piece real quick. NFL salary cap, three-year analysis for all 32 NFL teams. 
what part of the the equation is teams that routinely like max out their cap space and then just say, hey, we'll figure it out in the offseason like the Saints do. The Patriots have done it a lot. Just teams that know we're going to be up against it every single year, but we'll find a way to get under the cap space, and we're going to try to put all our chips in this year and try to make a run. Yeah, so I try to penalize those teams in the, the total prorated money column. So really what that is is just whenever you give out a signing bonus or any prorated bonus, which basically means you can spread it over five years of the salary cap, what you're basically doing is using your credit card, and you're only paying you know, 20% down up front on that year's salary cap, and you're pushing 80% over the four remaining years of the deal. So the Eagles are now like off in their own galaxy on that chart. Um, the Saints are, I think, second behind them. You know, they are the usual suspects on the top of that list. And then the Raiders historically have been the opposite, which is generally helpful, is to be go year by year, don't have any sunk costs, if you want to trade a player or you want to release a player, you don't really take any financial penalty when you do so. Um, so that's what that column factors in. But I didn't want to have it be too much of a weight and be too negative because, as we see time and time again, like you just mentioned, I mean, those teams, they don't view it as a deterrent to spending more, obviously, you know, to a degree. So I don't want to make it as, well, you know, they've done this much so they can't do any more. It's more just like, a, hey, keep it in mind that, they have a lot of kind of unmovable costs, and eventually, let's take the Eagles, for example. I mean, with Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, like, when these guys do retire, they're all going to leave cap hits, and they're also going to leave void, you know, very good players um, at important positions across this roster. Yeah, no, they really are, and, you know, I always find it fascinating how we always talk about teams that are in cap space uh, situations. They're not going to be able to fit this guy, that guy, and the other, and they always find a way to get it done. In New Orleans, even as I'm looking at the list, they come in here at number 32 with the Raiders right in front of them at number 31. Well, Brad, fantastic stuff, man. As always, you always do a great job there, Pro Football Focus. That piece really kind of caught my attention. What else you got working on that uh, we should be on the lookout as we're a couple weeks away from training camp? I appreciate that, man. I, for now, I think we're looking at just these, these next big deals. That might- Did we lose him? Did we lose him? All right, we lost him. We did, huh? We lost him. Right when he was about to tell me what he's got going on, we lost him. And that happens at times. So, uh, you know, many thanks to, uh, to Brad for giving us a, a few minutes of his time this afternoon. Again, I do encourage you to go check out uh, any of his work that he has on Pro Football Focus. Again, the one that I found to be really fascinating, NFL salary cap, three-year analysis for all 32 teams. And, again, uh, the Raiders coming in at number 31. So it almost, to me, felt like they're in a win-now mode because they do have the fifth oldest roster. Uh, they haven't done a whole lot with the draft capital that they, uh, that they had and that they received from Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper trades. We know that. Uh, obviously, it's a new staff in town now with Dave Ziegler, and he's got to try to make the most of the draft capital that he has moving forward. Only had a handful of picks last season with the Devontae Adams trade, but he had a whole plethora of draft capital that he had this past year, and obviously we'll wait to see what that looks like. 2.46 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number one. Again, big thanks to my man Brad Spielberger for Pro Football Focus. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Coming up at 3 o'clock, dip into the hot dog eating competition and really not the results as Joey Chestnut ate 62 dogs and buns, but really the conversation that myself and Evan Mack had on ESPN's Fitz and uh, uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, excuse me, on uh, the show last night as we were talking about the competition, and Evan Mack was very adamant about something, and it really kind of blew my mind. So we got into a nice, heated, respectful conversation, 
and uh, it really carried a lot of legs. So I just want to bring it to the table and get what uh, Raider Nation's thoughts are on the conversation. So you'll hear that coming up at the top of the hour. But we threw the question out there, who are the three guys on defense you're looking at to have a bigger season and help this defense improve in 2023? I said all three-year guys, Divine Diablo, Trayvon Merrick, and Nate Hobbs. What says you at 702-365-9200? Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. So Jim from Yonkers hit us up and said, I hope you had a nice fourth. I would say the entire draft from last year, 2022, has to improve for depth. Every single one of them, they need to contribute more than last year. And so when we're just talking about the defense, and thank you, Jim, for that text. I do appreciate you. When you're still just thinking about the defense, that means that you're looking at a Matthew Butler. That means you're looking at a Neil Farrell Jr. Because the rest of the draft class were offensive guys. You had an offensive lineman in Thayer Mumford in the seventh round. You had an offensive lineman in Dylan Parham in the third round. And then you had running backs as well. So I'm looking at Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell Jr. Those are two guys that we've talked about quite a bit. Here on the show, uh, we've asked Josh McDaniels about those guys. We've asked Patrick Graham about those guys. We've asked Dave Ziegler about those guys. And the fact that, you know, there was not a lot of burn that they got in 2022. And they, they do need to step up and show their worth and show what they can do. And the fact that they feel encouraged. Now, of course, you'll know more in training camp. And training camp opens up with the first day of practice being on the 26th. You'll know more about them as you start to see what they're doing during practice. But they're all encouraged by those two guys in particular since they spent the whole offseason at the facility. You know, it's funny talking to Andre James, the center, when we talked to him at Raiders Content Day. It was Eric Allen, JT, and myself. When we talked to uh, Andre, he said, man, it's easy to stay in the offseason and, and stay at the facility because it's so nice and the amenities are so good and that you know that everything that you need is right here and the weight room is second to none and the, the nutrition is second to none. And so uh, hats off to the Raiders for having that kind of a facility where a guy like a Neil Farrell Jr., a second-year guy, a, a Matthew Butler, a second-year guy, where they feel comfortable sticking around all offseason long and just really working and trying to hone in on their craft and trying to be a factor in 2023 because, look, if they go another season and they don't get very much burn if they or, or no burn, basically what they got in 2022, then you've got to look at those guys and pretty comfortably say, yeah, they're probably going to be bust, right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. If you don't see something, I know that you can't really tell like what a draft pick is until about three years in, but if you go two years and you see absolutely no, no burn, no kind of progress, you feel pretty comfortable where it's trending. <laughs> it's trending in the wrong direction. Right, and so that's why I think that you're going to see something from Zamir White this week, this year as well. Didn't see anything from him because, well, a lot to do with Josh Jacobs not coming off the field. So I think you'll see, regardless of how the situation uh, shakes out and plays out with uh, Josh Jacobs in his contract, I think you'll see Zamir White just because, because you have to. And I remember having Andrew Erickson on the show on Monday earlier this week from FantasyPros.com, and he said that you know covering the Patriots and following the Patriots as close as he he has throughout the course of his career. He, you know, is used to Josh McDaniels not using rookie running backs. So he expects Zamir White to get some burn again. But then remember, Josh Jacobs had 393 touches in 2022. That is a whole lot of touches in the science, the data, the numbers. It all tells you that most likely that's not going to happen again in year two or the following year. So expect more burn from Zamir White. I expect more burn from Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler. And, again, if they don't have more burn, then there's probably a problem <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But uh, thank you, Jim, for that. I definitely appreciate you. And, again, just like Jim, you can chime in on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. If you want to call in when we don't have a guest, you can at 702-365-9200. Who are three guys on defense 
that you were looking at to have a bigger season to help this defense improve in 2023. I picked Divine Diablo, the linebacker, Trayvon Merrick, the safety, Nate Hobbs, the corner, all guys going into year three with the silver and black. Coming up to kick off hour number two, you'll hear a little little hot dog eating contest conversation that myself and my man Evan Mack had on ESPN Radio last, last night. We'll do that next, kicking off hour number two of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.